Welcome to the Potter's House North podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by today's message. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 3, and I am going to just highlight one verse uh, today uh, for you. I'm reading out of the New International Version, and it's Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. In other words, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, my Father promised. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Father, I pray that you will bless your word. Pray, God, that it will bring increase, bring life, bring boldness. We rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, God, that you're going to take somebody another mile on their journey. God, I thank you, God, for seasons and times, but I thank you for this moment that we have. For your word never fails. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look into the journey, um, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, and uh, the day of Pentecost, um, in the life of the, dis of the disciples, it's marking a new season in their journey. They are on the horizon of a, what I would call a new normal. They are in what I would call also an exchange zone, like runners in a relay race. Jesus is about to pass the baton to them. The next leg of this journey is, a, is about to be placed into their hands. I mean, the last three years they have attentively followed Jesus and yet now they would lead on behalf of Jesus. Catch that. They, they, they have attentively followed Jesus and now they would lead on behalf of Jesus. The leadership structure of this team is about to shift dramatically. They're about to go from one to 12 in a matter of 50 days. They were called by him. Remember, they were called by him. They ate with him. They assisted him. They were rebuked by them. They were encouraged by them. He told them things that he had to suffer, but that they would see him again and that he was going to prepare a place for them. He even told them, listen, listen, listen. Y'all don't be distracted at this time because the poor you will have with you always, but you will not always have me. And now he is embarking upon these visitations and sharing with them. I mean, to me, just to kind of think about if I was a disciple at this particular time, if I had heard all that he had done and seen uh, 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 all that he had done and witnessed everything that had taken place, what he said before that would take place, now that I've seen certain things take place, I would by uh, I would all uh, I would now I would really really understand what he was trying to say. It's like there are certain things that my father said uh, uh, to me growing up uh, that now I understand as an adult that, uh, having kids, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. People told you be careful of the people that you hang around, and you didn't listen when you were 15, but but you. You listen when you're working in corporate spaces right now you 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 listen to making sure that you don't share all your business on Facebook that you don't share everything you have it's like it didn't make 
sense then, but it makes a lot of sense now. I mean, he told them I must die. I have to suffer. He talked to them about being the resurrection. He talked about him being the Lamb of God. And, and now, uh, all of a sudden, he it comes on the scene uh, uh, and he is proven. He is, his actions has proven that he is who he said that he was. I mean, I just want to ask you for a second before I go any further in this message. Has God proven himself to be who you thought that he was? Does anybody have any ounce of a testimony? I mean, maybe a teardrop of a testimony that God has proven Ooh, to be exactly what he said that he would be. He has proven himself. As a matter of fact, he has been, he has proven to be even more than I have ever experienced him to be I mean he's proven himself to be savior he's proven himself to be redeemer he has proven to somebody to be a healer to somebody he has proven himself to be a teacher to be a rabbi to be a counselor to be the resurrection to be the prince of peace to be the prophet to be the bread of heaven to be a friend to sinners he's proven himself to be the light of the world he has proven himself to be the way the truth and the life he has proven proven himself to be a good shepherd he has proven himself to be the king of kings do you know that God does not have a problem with proving who he is oh Thomas do you need to touch me for me to prove to you who I am well go ahead and touch me oh God does not have a problem with proving that he is the I am. He doesn't have a problem with showing up saying that I am Jehovah Jireh. He doesn't have a problem. As a matter of fact, he tells the people uh, in Malachi, prove me. And I'll show you that I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive but even though he has proven himself to be who he is I can imagine the perplexed uh, 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 mentality of the disciples because even though he has proven to be who he said that he was what does that mean for them I mean, I would act, I'd be asking these questions. You telling us now that you're going to leave us? You're about to give us instructions? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Does this journey with you in here? What does the Father, what does the future hold for us? I know you're settled. I know you're secure. I know you've been uh, 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 and you've done what the Father has ordered you to do. But 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 what does my future hold? And, 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 and what does our future hold? Uh, you're gonna leave us, and, 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 and I mean, you have been the center of the attention. You're the light of the world. We have been your assistants for the last three years. What's next? For us. The Bible says. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4. As he is gathered. Together with them. He commands. Them. To not depart. From Jerusalem. Now watch this closely. The word command. The word command. Is not a suggestion. It, it is not if you have a chance, 
in your busy schedule, can you stop by? It's not a recommendation. It, it doesn't mean if you can fit this in, in, in your calendar or in between your meetings, in between your Zoom meetings, in between your Facebook lives or your Instagram lives. It doesn't say if you can. It, it's not even advice or a deflection. The word command there in, in, in the Greek is used to describe a high-ranking military officer giving direct orders to their soldiers. If you want to know what the future holds, I'm going to command you to not depart from Jerusalem. The disciples are receiving these orders because this is how they are going to continue their journey. Because this new commandment, this new command is going to unfold their new assignment. And with this new assignment, there's a new mandate. There's new expectations. There's going to be new experiences. There's going to be new trials. There's going to be new problems. There's going to be new people. There's going to be new things that take place. Can I suggest to you that in every season of your life, God will give you a new set of instructions or fine-tune the ones he's already given you? This new assignment, this new future, this new place in the journey of their life with Jesus, it's going to bring some new things. Ooh, I, I, I didn't mean, uh, I, I don't want to get off my, uh, my script, but I just got to prophetically de declare to some people that God is about to send you some new things. There, there's going to be some new assignments. I know you've been wrestling with the old, but God is about to send you a new. I know you've been wrestling with the old nature, but God is about to give you a new nature. I know you've been wrestling. I know you've been in the mundane You've been very frustrated with the, uh, the mundane, but God is about to give you a new grace for a new assignment. God is about to give you a new grace for a new role. Because the next leg of this journey is about to be placed into your hands. Oh, I don't know what God has been preparing you for, but I cannot tell you, but the season is right. The moment is right. Because You ought to just extend your hand. You ought to extend your hand because God is about to pass you the baton for the next journey, next moment, the next leg of this journey. And you know, unfortunately, Pastor Tina, Some people are not going to be able to fully walk in their true assignment or see the fullness of what you could walk into because you don't like taking orders. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's pause right here because uh, in, in the corporate world and in the military world, they have a name for you. They, 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 they have a name for you. They have a name for your nature. They have a name uh, for your attitude. They have a name for your disposition. And it is called insubordination. It's when someone intentionally refuses to obey a superior lawfully. Why? Well, listen, lawful and reasonable order. Uh, even after you've been given the instructions, you acknowledge the instructions, you say yes to the instructions, but you still don't complete the task. Oh, can I just tell you that some of you, you need to be careful in this season that you are not walking in rebellion, that you are not walking saying that you have said yes to God, but your actions are proven that you had, uh, that you're not following through on your yes. Yes. It's insubordination. It doesn't matter if you don't like the person. It doesn't matter what, what, what the nature is. If they're asking you something within the confines of your ability and your assignment, you should have the willingness to actually do it. And maybe some of you, that's why your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe that's why your company is not going to where the where it is because you won't confront the, the insubordinate. You won't confront that nature. You won't confront that spirit that says yes to your family. But they do something completely different behind your back. And he gives them a direct order. If you want to know what the future holds for you, I want you to go to not depart from Jerusalem. I want you to get there and I want you to stay there. Uh, I got to talk to Pastor Tina because she's the one in the room. Uh, uh, Pastor Tina, do you know that, 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 that the word, uh, it's the word study here. The word uh, to not depart means, uh, uh, it actually means to not separate. Mm. Oh, what are you saying here? There's twofold. He commands them. He gives them a direct order to not depart. Can I tell you that there's a twofold meaning in not depart? It means to not separate. Do you, you remember that before Jesus was crucified, they all split up? Mm. They all separated. You could not find the 12. You couldn't find Judas. The people saw Peter, but they really couldn't. Uh, uh, he denied Jesus and cussed the girl out. I mean, I mean, Peter, I mean, j j just look at They separated. They scattered. And now, Jesus is saying, don't depart from Jerusalem. In fact, y'all spit up before I died. But I have spent these last several weeks, these days with you, to not simply reveal myself to you, but also to reconnect you to each other. So what he's saying is, I know I'm sending you here to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the Sanhedrin council was. The Jerusalem was where they sentenced Jesus to death. Jerusalem is where the Roman government and Pilate and all of, 
uh, 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 this governmental structure is set up. This is where the enemies of Jesus are. This is where the Pharisees are. This is where the Sadducees, it's the epicenter of their culture. It's the theological hub of their existence. It's where the greatest thinkers, it is where all the, uh, uh, this is where the temple is. This is where everybody is set up. And, and can I tell you, he is telling them, I don't care what you are confronted with. I don't care what enemies are there. I don't care who doesn't like you. I don't care what happens in Jerusalem. I know there's fear. I mean, I could just imagine in my mind that the, 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 the disciples are saying, could you not have sent us on a great safari or sent us uh, 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 on a vacation or sent us on a retreat away so that we could plan the future? Send us to a, a place that's peaceful. Send us to a place where uh, I can't hear any noise. Send us to a place where, that we are away from all the noise and away from all the confusion and away from the culture so that we can have solace with you. So that we can do yoga and nobody bothers us. So that we can go and have a peaceful time reconnecting together. But he says, no, I'm sending you to the place where my enemies are. I'm sending you to the place where there's going to be strife. I'm sending you into the war zone. I'm sending you to the place of the fight. I'm not going to rebuke the fight. I'm sending you into the fight. I'm sending you into the storm. I'm sending you into the accusatory. Uh, I'm sending you into the place where there's accusations and, and, and there's a spirit, uh, 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 the accusatory spirit. I'm going to send you into the place where there is going to be frustration. I'm going to send you into the place where fear may reside. I'm going to send you to the place where you may have to look over your shoulder. I'm going to send you to the place where you're going to have to wear a mask over your face. I'm going to send you to a place where they know those that follow me. I'm going to send you to the place where you're on the hit list. And I dare you to depart. <laughs> I, know, I don't know about you, but I would think that Jesus was crazy. I would think that Jesus was completely out of his mind to tell me that you want me to go to Jerusalem? And not just go there to have lunch there and to come back to Galilee. But you want us to stay there. You want us to set up shop there. You want us to be intertwined in the culture. He wants us, as Paul said, to be in the world but not of the world. Woo. He wants us to be around the culture. He doesn't want us to be away from the culture. He wants us to be inside of the culture. He doesn't want, watch this, you can't be, you can't follow a man who was a friend of sinners uh, uh, and you not think that your assignment is going to be uh, less than his assignment. So guess what? He's going to send you among sinners. He's going to send light in the darkness. Doesn't send darkness in the light. It's impossible. But he's going to send light 
into the darkness. He says, do not depart from each other and don't depart from this place because the, in the days ahead, you are going to need, watch this, y'all better hear me, somebody better hear me. In the days ahead, you're going to need each other like you have never needed each other before. And maybe that was somebody's testimony between 2020 and 2021. Oh, God, there's, there's some people that you took for granted in 2018. You took them for granted in 2017. You took them for granted in 2013. But 2020 hit you with something that, oh, made you need the people that were around you. Made you need the people that you took for granted. Made you need the person that you took for granted their wisdom and their insight or their skills or their leadership skills or their prophetic, prophetic insight or their heart. You took for granted, but you're going to need each other. And when you're back together, don't let nothing split y'all up. Woo. God, I hear you, Holy Ghost. Don't let nothing split y'all up. Don't, don't, don't you leave Jerusalem. Uh, 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 don't you leave. Don't you leave. Don't you leave. Your enemies are there. Oh, oh, they're going to try to kill you. They're going to try. They're going to give you strange looks, but don't you leave. Uh, don't you flinch. Uh, uh, stay in, but let me tell you, don't you flinch. Don't you flinch. Don't you, don't you ever, don't second doubt yourself. Don't, 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 don't second guess yourself. Uh, don't second guess yourself because, because I, I am, I, I need you. Uh, there's something that I got to get to you, but the only place that I can get it to you is that you got to go to Jerusalem and don't you split up. Uh, and let me prophesy to somebody uh, that's watching me online don't you leave until you know it's time don't you walk away from that marriage don't you walk away from that friendship don't you walk away uh, just because you're going through a rough season uh, uh, don't you leave your position uh, just because of some workplace gossip don't you don't you make a decision ignoring watch this ignoring all the red flags and move into something just because it feels good but you know deep down inside it's not your assignment don't you move to another city just because you met somebody on the internet and they talk a good game but they don't have no pictures of their family they don't have no pictures of their mama you ain't met their mama you ain't met their daddy you don't even know what their their marital history is but just because you have a cool conversation you believe and this has been a season where you've been prayerful and a season where you've connected with somebody don't you move don't you get your hips and break your lease and move to another city just because it feels good you gotta know without a shadow of doubt oh god you gotta know without a shadow of doubt maybe the word for somebody that's watching me is do not depart from your jerusalem do not depart from your Jerusalem. Do not depart from the hard place. Do not depart from the place that God has. Don't you depart from where you are right now just because there's some disruptions just because some friends have faltered along the way just because things haven't necessarily worked out the way you thought that they were going to work out. Don't you depart from your Jerusalem don't you don't you don't you don't you you can be discouraged but you better not move you can be disappointed but don't you move you can be oh my goodness you can feel like you've been delayed you can feel like you've been denied but don't you move from your Jerusalem
wait. He says, but wait. I got a little work I got to do with this, so pull your chair up to the table. Take a night, an, uh, 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 excuse me, an, uh, another bite of that breakfast sandwich. <laughs> Scoop another bit of that cereal that you're eating. Take another swig of that coffee you're drinking. Nobody likes waiting. Nobody. I mean, me personally, I call ahead to a restaurant to check to see what the wait time is. Why? Because I want to know that I don't have to wait for 45 minutes to be seated. And if they tell me, if Cracker Barrel tells me that there's no wait time, I speed up <laughs> to make sure I get within the compounds of the no wait. Here's one of the tensions in our generation. We live in a mobile media era. Along with the accelerated rhythm of daily life. And this life has shifted expectations of time delay and the notions of instant connection. Our, our perception of time has shifted. And if time were ever valuable, it was valuable now. It would be at this moment in history. We're always constantly pulled in multiple directions. And companies, technology companies, promise us connectivity. It promises us swift shipping. It promises us one-day shipping. It promises us if you sign up for Prime, you'll get it between 5 and 10 p.m. today. And within this promise, this kind of connectivity is a different relationship with time. One in which waiting is now seen as a flaw that is solved by the latest te technological breakthrough. We have, and this pandemic, Pastor Chris, has proven to us that we can have the world and whatever we need or whatever we want at our fingertips. If we want somebody to go grocery for us, grocery shopping for us, and deliver it to our porch, it can happen today. Whatever we want, we've adjusted. The brilliance of this culture is that we have adjusted time. We have adjusted the very nature of how we move. We got curbside service. We got same-day delivery. I mean, advertisement that asks consumers, aren't you tired of waiting? <laughs> Go ahead and pre-order it ahead of time so it will show up at your doorstep the day that is released. So this era is driven, the time period that we live in is driven by minimizing wait times. And we call it effectiveness. We call it efficiency and innovation. As a matter of fact, we call it productivity. And since we live... In a society that links productivity to time, waiting is seen as wasteful because nothing at this time while we're waiting is being produced. 
So in this context, waiting is a disruption. It's a distraction. It's useless. It's a useless delay. I mean, have you ever waited in the doctor's office to be seen? Ladies, y'all know, uh, uh, y'all tell me, my mama done told me, you know, when you go and, <laughs> and, and you got an appointment at 3 p.m. at the hair salon, they may or may not get to your appointment until 3.20 or 4.20 or 5.20. The wait time can be crazy. Waiting seems like a bug in the system. It's a lag time. Nobody likes a lag time in their computer. Waiting is, a, is the suspension of time. Time is not being enjoyed. It is being endured. Waiting is, in this context, is a present without end. And waiting feels like suffering. As a matter of fact, waiting provokes agitation, boredom, vexation, anger, even sadness and disappointment. The truth is that this, this mobile media area, era, this digital interface we see through creates, watch this, an illusion that makes us think that it will make waiting disappear. But even if it is minimized, the truth is waiting will never be eliminated. And deep down, we don't want it to be. I'm not suggesting, hear me, I'm not suggesting that you or I will ever like waiting, but we have to respect it. I have to respect the fact that my wife had to carry my children for nine months. Y'all don't want, I, I had to, I, you, you, you have to respect the fact that the house, you got to wait for the house to sell. You got to, you got to wait, you got to wait, you got to wait for the plane to come in so that, to taxi in so the people can get off so that you can get on your flight at the appointed time so that you can go to the destination that you need to get to. You have to respect the fact that when you have a surgical procedure that there's a time, a waiting time, where you have to rest so that you can heal. You have to respect the time, whoo, that even though you booked the vacation several months in advance, <laughs> the countdown to the vacation, the countdown to the wedding, the countdown uh, 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 to the graduation, it's, it, you got to respect that time. You got to respect that space that even though you want it to happen tomorrow, <laughs> Woo, I want it to happen tomorrow. I got to respect the fact that I got to wait. And the truth of the matter is that we're, we're not the only ones in the waiting room of life. The Bible is filled with stories of those who had to wait. Hannah had to wait Woo, for a child. Job had to wait uh, for the end of his affliction. Abraham waited for the fulfillment of God's covenantal promise, Naomi told Ruth to wait. She said, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So the question I want to ask you, how can waiting be productive rather than a waste and a burden? How can waiting be a beneficial activity? Because waiting, what I've discovered, is an intricate part of our journey. We must allow, I know, hear me, I know you think, I know what you're thinking, but hear me out. We must allow ourselves to experience fully moments of waiting. Even in the most mundane, 
minuscule moments of waiting, we must find some way to occupy ourselves. Here's the first question. I have two questions for you. Then I'm going to give you some principles. The first question is, when you feel overwhelmed or when you feel frustrated or when you feel uh, that anger building up because there is a wait time, this is the question I want you to ask yourself. Why am I waiting? Sometimes, 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 I want, you to, I want you to shift away, shift your focus from your feelings. I want you to shift your focus from boredom. I want you to shift your focus uh, 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 from your discomfort and your longing. And they should be on time. And they should do this. And why is this lady taking so long in the grocery line? She should have went through the other line if she had all of these coupons. Why are they taking so long to pump their gas? Why are they talking on their cell phone and not going on? I, can you, can you go please? Why, why? I want you to take a moment and pause and ask yourself, why am I waiting? The next question I want to ask you whoo, is when you are at a moment where you feel as though you have to wait, ask yourself who will benefit from my waiting. Sometimes we are the beneficiaries of our own wait times. But waiting can be an investment that pays out to us in a range of ways. Waiting can be a way for us, watch this, to save so that there can be money in a retirement account for our children. So that we can actually build a legacy. Sometimes waiting builds patience. It builds character. Sometimes waiting is saying, I know I'm not going to buy this car right now because my kids got to go to college in the future. It's that delayed gratification that says, who is going to benefit from my waiting? It takes the attention off of how you feel. It takes the attention off of your own self-interest. It, it, it takes the, uh, uh, the focus off of you. And says, who's going to benefit from my sacrifice? Who's going to benefit from this decision? Who's going to benefit from me waiting? Oh, I got another question for you. The other question I want to ask you is how? No, let me ask you this way. Who's waiting for me? Who's standing in the waiting room of their own destiny, waiting in the room, in the waiting room of their own purpose. Who is standing huh, stage side, waiting for you to accept your baton, waiting on you to accept the next leg of your journey? Who is waiting for you to accept the fact that you can't be like everybody else, but there's assignment, there's a calling? Who's waiting for you? Who's watching you? Who's standing in your business, watching you, saying, how are you functioning? How are you leading? Because they're taking cues from you that they're going to end up leading like you lead. Who's waiting to watch you? Oh, receive respond in the way that's of eloquence who's waiting on you to not respond in anger but respond in a way of dignity and respect for yourself who's waiting on you to use your voice for justice so that they can have enough confidence to use their voice for justice who's waiting 
for me. Truth of the matter is here is a few principles that I want to draw for you. That I see within this particular text. You got to respect the pauses. Waiting is a pause. You got to respect the pauses. Waiting here. He is describing in this text is active participation, not passive participation. Waiting here, waiting to receive the gift that the Father has promised. Watch this, listen. Waiting is active participation. It's not passive. It's not sitting down doing nothing. More importantly, waiting is an internal posture of your heart. I'm going to give it to you like this. Sometimes waiting is the only way God can get your undivided attention. <sighs> I'll say that again for you in the comments. Sometimes waiting is the only way God can get your undivided attention. Waiting assesses your posture. Waiting will also prepare you for the future. Waiting also synchronizes our efforts. The disciples are together. They watch Jesus ascend and they are walking Together, they go to the upper room together. It synchronizes their efforts. Can I, you know what I notice in that text? That there's nobody as crucial as this time was. There's nobody being an island to themselves. There's nobody because of the type of leader that commanded them to walk together, there is nobody that's just doing what they want to do the way they want it to do. They are all synchronizing. That's why the scriptures are saying the disciples. It doesn't just say and Peter, and it doesn't say and just John went. It says the disciples went together. Maybe the problem is the reason why you can't get to where you want it to get to is because there's no synchronization. There's no full alignment. There's, there's no posture. Where the, everybody doesn't have the same posture. To understand that we are in this together. This is, this is another thing. Waiting teaches us how to pursue God. The waiting that they are going through, they are praying together they are fellowshipping together 
But the waiting moment, that pause will teach you. I don't have time to unpack it. But the, it will teach you how to pursue God. When you look into this text, when you look a little bit ahead, you see them praying together. You see them for, I, I, I mean, they don't even have a destination. They don't even have a shipping date of the gift. They don't, God, he didn't give them to say it will be there on the day of Pentecost. It will be there in 10 days. It will be there in five days. So wait for it. Wait for somebody to knock on your door. Or give somebody the code to your house so that they can slip it in behind the door. No, 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 no. He just told them to wait. But waiting will teach us how to pursue God. As a matter of fact, there's a connection here, Pastor Chris, between the waiting that the disciples did and the waiting that Isaiah instructs the people of God and prophesies to wait on the Lord. Because that waiting in the Hebrew means to be braided to the Lord. It means that there is a weaving together, that there is a stitching together, that there is a molding that is taking place. Waiting will, will really reveal who you are braided to. It will reveal who you are woven to. It will reveal who you are really in covenant with. Where are you in covenant with your feelings or are you in covenant with your faith? It will show who you are braided to. Are you, are you braided to perversion or are you braided to your purpose? It will show what you are braided to, what you are woven into. The next thing that waiting would do, it will wean you from your distractions. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't stay in Galilee. They couldn't stay on the Mount of Olives. They couldn't stay there. They had to go to the upper room and they had to lock the door. They had to lock the door. Uh, it, will, it will wean you away from your distractions. There's nothing like waiting. There's nothing like being apart. There's nothing like being in the synchronization of God, the timing of God, the kairos of God, the moment that God has put you in that will wean you that will taste, take the taste of distractions away from you. Once you're flowing in a purpose, once you're flowing in a thing, once you're flowing according to the thing that God has flirt, that pushed you, once your passion takes control, once your purpose takes control, it minimizes distractions. Let me tell you what waiting will also do. Waiting will also show you that waiting was not designed to be done alone. They were there together. Praying together, eating together, loving together, encouraging together. Being there for each other. I want to tell you that some of you, you may feel alone right now, but I want to tell you, you're waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for, but waiting was not designed to be done alone. Waiting, watch this. Waiting will also <laughs> force you to restructure some things. Because now Judas is off the scene. And there's a void among the 11. 
because they were used to having 12. <gasps> so while they're waiting, they're restructuring. While they're waiting, there are new tactics. While they're waiting, there's a new perception. There's a new mold. There's a new place. There's a new thing that God's designed for them to do. And so they're forced into restructuring. They, they are, whoo, waiting will show you what's missing. Oh, waiting will show you what's missing. Waiting will show you why you didn't get the promotion. Waiting will show you why you didn't get the job. Sometimes waiting will show you what's missing in your life. Not to reveal to you what you can't be, but to reveal to you what you can be if you would just fill that gap. I want to tell you that some of you, the reason why you're discouraged, some of you, the reason why you don't like waiting, some of the reasons why you, you, you're irritated at the fact that I'm even talking about waiting is because I believe that we have misappropriated the biblical text. The Bible says, he says, wait for the gift that the Father has promised that I told you about. I am sorry to announce to you, and may I apologize on behalf of leaders and pastors that just told you that God would give you the desires of your heart. God is going to give you the desires of your heart. If you just trust Him, He will give you the desires of your heart. And what happens is that when you hear that, you immediately think promise. And you're mad at God and angry at God because you had a desire for something and it's not being fulfilled right now. And you say, God, you promised me I would be married by now. You promised me I would have this. You promised me I would live here. You promised me it wouldn't take this long. You promised me, but can I tell you, That a promise from God is initiated by God, not by us. And sometimes we initiate the desires. But a real promise, God will make sure that he fulfills it. As a matter of fact, he will announce the promise to, to you. So sometimes we're walking around thinking that the desire is the promise. But the truth of the matter is, it's a desire. And God can do it. He will do it. But it doesn't mean that he has to do it. But a promise means that the pledger has to always make good on his promise. That means that he has swore by himself, that he has declared by himself that he will be good, that he put his name on it. And when God puts his name on something, he will make sure that it comes to pass. It may take 40 years, Abram. It may take 40 years, Sarah, but he's going to make good on that promise. says before you step into what I assigned you to do I'm going to send you something don't you move don't you move 
into what I commissioned you to do until you receive the gift. I know you saw what I did. I know you, I know you saw me heal people. I know you heard my teachings. I know you heard me preach on the, the Sermon on the Mount. I know, you, I know you saw me raise Lazarus from the dead. I know you saw me speak the word. And I didn't even go touch that girl, but she was raised from the dead. I know, I know, I know you saw what I did. But don't try to step into the next phase of this journey without this gift. It's the secret ingredient to the recipe. If you try to go forward without it, without this gift that I promise you, it's going to be like trying to make chocolate chip cookies without chocolate chips. Trying to make gravy without milk. <laughs> trying to make grilled cheese without cheese. Trying to make biscuits without putting them in the oven or applying any type of heat. Like trying to get scrambled eggs without applying any heat. It's like trying to make sweet tea without any sugar. It might be tea, but it will not be sweet. So Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the crew, don't do it. Don't try to do this without the gift. Because you're going to gather people around that heard about my resurrection. But there would not be any presence there. Whoo! You're going to sing songs. People are going to get excited, but it will not be worship. You might have a message. <laughs> you might get before the people and declare that I am Jesus, but it will not be the gospel because you need this gift. And Pastor Tina, this culture, this time period that we live in has so commercialized and stretched the imagination and reduced the gift to parodies of people shouting on social media. But my assignment here today is to remind you of the holy thing. It's to remind you of this special promise of preeminent value is to remind you of this wind that's like no other wind this fire that's like no other fire the wisdom that is going to fill the mouth of these unlearned uneducated men and people at the Sanhedrin council and the elders in Jerusalem are going to marvel at their boldness and say how are these men speaking with so much eloquence and they have not studied one day in our schools I'm talking about this holy thing this power that has the power to heal I'm talking about this presence that gave love, that gave life love. I'm talking about this holy thing that has the ability in an uncanny way to restore relationships. I'm talking about this comforter that comforts people in the most dire situations. I am talking about this holy thing that when you're surrounded by hopelessness, it gives you drops 
of hope. I am talking about this holy thing that even in unprecedented times of civil unrest, police brutality, shootings and killings, that it will be like a mist that gives you peace in your inner sanctuary. I'm, I just want to tell you that it's time to make the holy thing holy again. It is time to make sure that our hands are clean, that our hearts are clean, because this is a holy thing. This is a holy thing. This is a holy thing that gave sight to the blind. This is a holy thing that spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth. This is a holy thing that allows you to sing songs of Zion. This is a holy thing that cannot be rivaled. This is a holy thing that has no end. This is a holy thing that goes to the most unclean place and cleans up lives. This holy thing is unrivaled. This holy thing is about to do something incredible, incredulous in this community that is going to live throughout the ages that we are speaking about tonight. This holy thing, this holy thing, this powerful thing, it wasn't just a powerful thing. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a tool. It wasn't just the it, but the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you today, wherever you are, this holy thing, this gift, he's worth the wait. I didn't give you my sermon title before, but I want to give it to you now. Whatever you're standing in the middle of and you don't know how it's going to be fi fixed, I want to tell you that the gift is coming. I don't know what you're standing in the middle of. I don't know that you're saying, I know I've been called. I know there's an assignment. I don't know what the next leg of this journey is going to, but the gift is coming. The gift is coming. If you would just wait in your Jerusalem, if you would just wait in this place, in this hard place, in this place where you should, that you should give in to your fear, God wants you to have faith because the gift is coming. Because the truth of the matter is we will wait for things that we believe that's worth our time. And I want to tell you that the gift, <laughs> the gift, he's worth the wait. All that the disciples are about to embark on, it will be worth the wait. And I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what you're standing in the middle of. But he's worth I want to declare over you right now. I want to intercede. I want to take the next 30 seconds and intercede over everybody who's watching me by faith. I want to intercede on behalf of you right now. And I want to declare over you that you would experience the weight of the mandate 
and the assignment that is on your life that you would experience the grace that you would experience the faith to wait that you would experience the oh God the faith that God would increase your faith to wait that God would increase your posture that God would increase your ability to be patient that God would increase your ability we denounce everything every lie of the enemy every entitlement any any ounce of entitlement that tells us that we don't have to wait our God I curse the very mentality that thinks that we can take the easy route that we can take the more efficient route but there are some things that we have to go through there are some things that are going to be worth the wait and I declare over the people of God I declare the wind of God I declare that you shall know that you shall know that you shall know you shall know that you shall be that you shall become that you shall have what God says you can have why because you're going to wait on it why because you're going to walk in it why because you're going to go to that place and say God I trust you God I'll wait on you God, I don't know. I don't mind waiting. God, I need to hear you. God, I rebuke every ounce of frustration. I rebuke every ounce of fear in the life of your people. In the name of Jesus, teach us how to pursue you. Teach us how to seek you. Teach us how to walk together, to walk together, to walk together, to walk in accordance, to synchronize our efforts, to synchronize our posture to synchronize oh God I thank you that you're not going to get on our schedule but we're getting on your schedule I thank you right now that whatever you're going to do in the future you're not going to do it without us we say yes not to what we see but we say yes to what we don't see we say yes to what we don't see we say yes oh God I thank you right now for what you're speaking what you're declaring over your people in the name of Jesus and I call you out of that dark place I call you out woman of God man of God oh business leader I call you out out of that darkness I call you out uh, of your own understanding and tell you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he's about to direct your path he's about to direct your path he's about to direct your path he's about to show you where to put your foot next he's gonna show you what businesses to buy he's gonna show you what you're gonna do God's gonna show you he's gonna give you insight he's gonna give you the bonus to go in rooms and speak and declare what needs to be done he's gonna allow you to speak the language of that culture to speak the language of that business I rebuke fear I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus Jesus, I rebuke it now. Give us the grace for the pause. So that when we stick in the next dimension of what you have assigned, when the baton is placed in our hands, we won't second guess why and when. But we will have enough courage to know that we trusted you in the wait. I thank you for it now. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you join us online every Sunday morning at 9 and 1130 a.m. Central Standard Time. Streaming live at www.tphnd.org watch now or through our Potter's House North app.